Hello and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon and its ecosystem. I am your host and Axonic developer advocate, Sarah Tori. In today's episode, I will be speaking with Allard Bowser about event streaming and event sourcing. We will also talk briefly about Axon Server. I hope you enjoy this episode and let's have a listen. Hi, Allard. How are you? Hi, Sarah. I'm uh, doing great today. How are you? Good. I'm doing great. Thanks for joining me once again to talk about some really cool stuff. Um, so last time I was uh, speaking with Stephen and uh, we briefly talked about event sourcing versus event streaming. So um, I'd like to go into a little bit more detail with you on that today and um, just talk about the two concepts and the differences and uh, which one um, is better to use for certain situations. Um, and um, just go from there, if that's okay. Yeah, sounds perfect. Perfect. So I recently came across this um, really neat article by um, uh, Vijay Nair, who uh, talked about uh, the event sourcing and also event streaming. <laughs> and uh, it was very useful because I want to talk about this with you today. So he mentioned um, in that article that um, a uh, system of events rather, uh, I, uh, let me go back a little bit. He um, sort of elaborated on event sourcing and event streaming. And uh, he talked about um, the event sourcing to be a system of events rather than a system of uh, state. Am I correct or am I getting it backwards? No, correct. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Fantastic. And he said, in originating from the domain-driven design world, event sourcing advocates the design and development of applications by treating it as a, a system of events rather than a system of state. Can you elaborate on that for me a little bit? Yeah. So basically, this this comes down to uh, what is what is the origin of the decisions your system makes. Um, so in, in well traditional quote unquote systems, uh, we we tend to to store states, and uh, any decision that you make then looks at that state and says, oh, the flag is on, or a flag is off, or a value is uh, higher or lower than a certain mm -hmm. threshold. So I am based on that information, I'm deciding to go left or right, or to do whatever uh, a system needs to do. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is that decision will then generate new states which overwrites the previous state. So you lose track of any reason why you've made a certain decision. Because you're and can you tell me what do we mean by state in this case? If we change something within, um, say, an entity or an aggregate, is that what we mean by state? Or is it more of a so general term? In a, um, um, uh, uh, when, when you're looking at, when looking at states, you just see how things are right now. Mm -hmm. right? Is, so what is, uh, what is the information available in the system at this moment, right? That's mm -hmm. what, what yep. that's what we're looking at, and that's basically mm -hmm. the state of of your system. And typically, state translates to the values of certain fields and columns in a database. Right. right? That is right. in in practice mostly what uh, uh, what is referred to as a state. Mm -hmm. So does, now, what? Yeah, go ahead. It, it does get a bit more. Uh, elaborate than that uh, because state is not always in databases and it's a combined state of the version of the actual code deployed as well mm -hmm. as the information in the database. So it, it does get much more complex. 
uh, which, which is only more reasons for event sourcing to be so interesting. But I guess we'll come to that in a yeah, second. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, can you tell me a little bit um, about event streaming? What is an event streaming? Let's start with that. Because um, as far as I've read about event streaming, um, again, there was uh, the article of, uh, by Vijay and there was a, uh, another article that I came across by um, Jasper Hammerback that they were talking about, um, of course, the event streaming would be for publishing or subscribing to a stream of events and then storing it and then processing, uh, processing the stream in real time. So let's talk a little bit about that and see what that actually means. Yeah, so event streaming is basically the process where uh, imagine the, there's two systems that need to keep each other up to date. So one way would be for uh, the receiving system or the system that needs to, to be updated to just poll the first system and say, hey, give me your state now. And then two right. seconds later, give me your state now. Then you can keep it up to date. Right? right. Things get a bit tricky because that system might not be interested in the state, but it might be interesting in deriving something that happened. Well, doing that from that state becomes uh, really, really difficult. Um, and it requires both systems to be up at the same time, which is mm. uh, sometimes problematic as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where the concept of event streaming comes from. Instead of, of sending the current state over upon request, why mm -hmm. not get a continuous stream of changes going to, um, to that other system? And so every, right. every time something happens, you just post a message on a, on a queue on some PubSub platform and mm -hmm. just post a message there. And any component that is interested in, in, in staying up to date can just mm -hmm. read from that queue and, um, and update its, uh, its own state accordingly. And if you do design that correctly, the events describe actual deltas. Mm -hmm. So not only do you know what the new state of the system is, but you can also transfer knowledge about why that change happened. Right. right. Was a uh, did your account balance just change? Well, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Account balance doesn't just randomly change for no reason. There's an obvious right. reason. Yeah. Um, so you've you've been you've been shopping, or you've you've just received your salary, or whatever. And and that is more valuable information. And that is what event streaming is about. Is about get that describe that delta. Mm -hmm. um, and describe a bit more of the why the change happened and get that mm -hmm. as a continuous flow to the recipients. And then the recipient can choose whether to update that in real time mm -hmm. or, uh, well, depending on the messaging platforms. Uh, I mean, uh, Kafka is a very popular streaming platform nowadays. Right. And, and they allow you to, to even be offline for a while and start streaming in a couple of hours or to, um, right? So you have much more. Uh, choice and how to get information from one system to another and not both systems need to be up at the same time anymore mm -hmm. so then what would you say the benefit of event streaming could be and what is the downside of using event streaming so with with event streaming you're you're now transporting deltas uh, to to another system and that other mm -hmm. system is making assumptions on the information it receives um, if mm -hmm. there's anything erroneous in that event stream and and th that can do go two ways uh, you could have an event of something that happened which you've actually wanted to roll back on on the producing side mm -hmm. or um, 
events might be produced twice accidentally and then the consumer right. might believe it happened twice well it didn't happen mm -hmm. twice it was accidentally reported twice ah. so you have those those differences where the um the event stream now becomes the truth for the recipient right it, it is the yeah. only thing that the recipient has to act on so it mm -hmm. needs to consider that to be true but the problem is the event stream is not inherently reliable because you exactly. depend right. on the producer's quality to uh, to produce a correct event stream. Mm -hmm. So then um, let's talk about this: the uh, storage of uh, these events. Um, in event streaming, I know there is an option, for instance, in Kafka that you can store these events. Um, is it a reliable way of storing these events? And why why does that matter? <laughs> Yeah, so for um, uh, for event streaming, yes, it is a very reliable way of, of storing events because basically uh, it has a store and forward semantic. So everything that gets published gets stored and then any consumer will be able to read that uh, and the way they operate with the, um, uh, the consumer gets these positions of where it left off. So if it loses connection, it can actually uh, exactly continue where it left off because the information mm -hmm. is stored. But in, in Kafka, it's designed to be stored with uh, for a limited amount of time. Now, that amount of time can be set to a very, very, very long, long time. Long time, yeah. Uh, like, like almost indefinite. Uh, it is, nothing is ever indefinite. Um, yeah. but the, um, and that allows a consumer to be offline for a while and still go back. Or when logic, processing logic changes, it does allow you to go back in time and re, mm -hmm. uh, restream those uh, those events. Um, right. And that is that is a very, uh, so for event streaming, and I have to stress that mm -hmm. part, mm -hmm. uh, since so we're talk still talking about event streaming, yes, it yeah, is yeah. a very reliable way of uh, doing that. So now let's talk about event sourcing. And let's talk about uh, why would we use events uh, sourcing versus event streaming. And also then I want to um, highlight on event storage requirements for event sourcing and why that's good or what are those requirements at all? Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, there's a, there's been a lot of uh, misconception about uh, mm -hmm. event sourcing and event streaming, um, and then in, in the situation I described before, when you have the system A and B, and A is mm -hmm. producing events and B is consuming them, that is event streaming. B is not an event sourced system; it is a system that consumes an event stream. Right. Event sourcing does not involve B. Event sourcing is something that only involves the emitting side, the sending side on, of the event stream. And it is about how that component A makes decisions to post new events, right? I see. Okay. And it, it is crucial that a component that does event sourcing will make those decisions based on the exact same stream that it, it publishes to. Okay. So... Of course, we, we need, uh, for, for decisions, we need to have the flags, right? We need to have uh, thresholds of something like in an account balance. If you want to transfer money, you have to have that amount of money on your, on your balance, right? Or, okay. or you yeah. should be allowed to overdraw, but, it's, but let's keep it simple for now. Yeah. So we, we are interested in the current state of that account in order mm -hmm. to, uh, to fulfill that money transfer request. Right. Now, in... Um, in event sourcing, we don't we don't have state anymore. We don't have the mm -hmm. current state of the balance anymore, or of the, of the account anymore. So, if we want to get to the balance, the way we should do that 
is by looking at all the events that we emitted that impact the balance and then recalculating what the current balance is. And that sounds uh, maybe a bit extreme. Uh, it sounds like it doesn't perform, uh, but um, it, it, it does, right? There's, there's and that's definitely what we talk about. Right, and that's what we talk about when we talk about a single source of truth, because then you have everything um, basically laid out in front of you so that you can go back to it. So we can change those events, but then it gives us a really good uh, overview of everything that has happened up to this point. Right, and that's important. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's definitely one of the the, the, the upsides of, of event sourcing. But I would say the major advantage is that it makes that event stream, which is so powerful in, in, in interacting with other components, it yeah. makes that a reliable source of truth because all the decisions are based on the information in that event stream. Right. And the only way to post a new decision and change the behavior of that system for future decisions mm -hmm. is by putting another event in there. So right. that way we have a guarantee that the event store or the mm -hmm. event stream that we get as a result is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Right? There's, right. It's impossible to get something that did happen missing in there because mm -hmm. if it's missing, then the system doesn't... Um, um, make any decisions based on that information because it's not there. If it made yeah. a decision, the only way to propagate that decision mm -hmm. is to put it in that uh, event store. Um, and that's, uh, that's the big difference between event sourcing and event streaming. But mm -hmm. I would say event sourcing implies event streaming, but not the other way around. Gotcha. So then I also want to touch on um, sort of... Uh, as we're storing all of these different events and uh, we're constantly adding to these events uh, in event sourcing, we're not deleting anything. Events are immutable, right? Um, right. How does it work with um, with databases and the speed that we're working with? Does it slow it down at all? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so um, you can imagine that, uh, well, basically databases work like this internally themselves yes. right they yeah. uh mm -hmm. they append entries into a transaction log and every time you make a change you just append an entry and apply that uh, that change and that's because applying a small delta is a lot cheaper than modifying uh, existing state right um so yes your your data will grow you will store mm -hmm. a lot more information but then mm -hmm. uh, that information is valuable um right. you can choose to to store it for a while or to to store it forever with event sourcing, it's typically forever by default, and yeah. then you can make it any shorter if if you're allowed if you allow yourself to to lose mm -hmm. that part of your uh, of your history. Right. Um, so yeah, it 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 does give you more more storage. Um, in terms of performance, it 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 is not actually impacted that much in a negative mm -hmm. sense, and in some cases, mm -hmm. it is even faster. There's a lot of things you can do to optimize uh, reading. And it right. makes it a lot safer to, for example, uh, put a cache in front of it because as soon as mm -hmm. the cache invalidates, you get a notification. Right. right. There's an event, and that event basically makes the previous uh, information you had um, uh, stale. So yeah. you'll get triggers when these caches can be invalidated, and that makes um, event sourcing a process that um, is is fast um, mm -hmm. when when appending new events. It mm -hmm. might be a bit slower than traditional when reading, but it gives you a lot of features to uh, to optimize. There's snapshots right. you can create, uh, which in the in Axon framework are very easy to uh, to do. 
uh, and they basically limit the number of events you need to load to to get to that to recalculate that current state. So there's a there's a, an immense amount of possibilities to to optimize that, which in the end make it simpler and faster than traditional state storage. Yeah, and I and I want to come back to this and uh, talk a little bit more in detail um, with uh, uh, regards to Axon Server uh, in in just a minute. But before we go there, um, can we talk about uh, consistent rights also in event streaming and event sourcing? Because in event streaming, we talk about, uh, for instance, um, one way of doing it is by uh, using optimistic concurrency control or uh, uh, using a single writer. Um, can you sort of touch on those a little bit and explain to me and everybody else what those are and how we can use them and then with event sourcing as well? Yeah, so with, with event streaming, there's always a challenge of um, what if you emit conflicting events? Well, what mm -hmm. if two, uh, two components or two instances of some component make a decision somewhere, but they they don't realize, well, they, they need to somehow realize at some point that they are making a conflicting decision. Right? So imagine you are at the ATM withdrawing money from your account and your account balance is sufficient for that withdrawal. Right. Uh, meanwhile, your, uh, your partner is in the store buying something and uh, buying something that the account balance is also um, uh, allows that, right? But for some reason, you're not, you cannot do both. Your account balance is not sufficient for both. Now, mm -hmm. I've, I've seen it, unfortunately, more often uh, go wrong than right. But in, in traditional systems, we have to be very careful about locking, right? So right. what if the system checks your balance and then your, partner, uh, your partner's transaction also checks the balance and they both get an okay because balance yeah. is good. And then right. we execute those operations. And, um, and then you get an overdraft. <laughs> You get an yes. overdraft, and, and exactly. actually, banks banks often allow that. Uh, yes, they though, do, uh, because they can just charge you immense amounts of money for exactly. it. Exactly. Um, but before we piss off our uh, all our banking uh, banking <laughs> listeners, um, exactly. so there's um, there's a better way. <laughs> there's there's better ways, and and this yes. is basically where um, and, and event streaming uh, solutions don't don't do that. For example, Kafka, mm -hmm. it will not validate anything for you. If you post a mm -hmm. message on there, it's just a message. You you put it right. there. So right. it's your application's responsibility to make sure that you never post a conflicting message. Mm -hmm. um, and you can do that with optimistic uh, concurrency and, uh, and and pessimistic uh, locking, if you will. Uh, pessimistic mm -hmm. locking being where you say, hey, I'm going to work on this balance. Don't touch anything until right. until I'm done. In that case, one of you will have to uh, uh, to wait at the ATM slightly longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, or the uh, the other option is to say, well, we'll we'll accept both transactions, but if we find out last minute that something else changed, we'll reject it after all. Mm -hmm. We'll just give mm -hmm. you. Uh, we'll roll back the transaction if, if and you'd have to do something it again. else. Yeah. And yeah, you'll have to yeah. uh, try it again, and then it will fail because mm -hmm. uh, the balance is not sufficient anymore. Right. So it's really about what uh, the, the one to choose is about the uh, the possibility of conflicts, mm -hmm. uh, which in CQRS based systems is so interesting because we have a special component for commands for changes. So yes. we know when something arrives there, we mm -hmm. have approximately. 100% chance of a change happening. Right. Which is why I believe that in CQRS-based systems, pessimistic concurrency control is a lot more efficient because there's no point in allowing two, um, uh, two commands, uh, so to say, 
make changes because you know that changes result will result or are very likely to result in actual changes. Right. Uh, and then you need to roll back one of the two. Exactly. Uh, well, if you know that, why not execute them sequentially if you know they are conflicting, right? But that's right. going back to uh, aggregates and uh, we we discussed those before. Yes, which is great because uh, if your commands are already taken care of that, then you're basically preventing having to later on deal with, you know, your... Uh, it kind of does the job of your um, optimistic versus pessimistic locking for you a little bit, right? At exactly. The beginning, yeah. so you don't even have to you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. So th that's um, that's really really beneficial for me to know at least. Um, can we go back and talk a little bit more about uh, event storage requirements in event sourcing? So uh, we know that um, in event sourcing, uh, especially in Axon framework, we have the usage of uh, aggregates and. Uh, all since point in time and, you know, read back and write order and all of that wonderful stuff that you talked about in one of your talks. So if you don't mind just touching on that, I, I don't mean for you to repeat that whole talk again, but <laughs> you can sort of highlight some of the, some of the points for me. Yeah. So the, um, the thing is when you, when you uh, want to use event sourcing, uh, so if you want to upgrade your streaming experience with event sourcing, that also <laughs> right. puts some extra, um, uh, some extra requirement on the event storage. Mm -hmm. So yeah. not every system that stores events is an event store, right? That is very important to realize. Okay. And that mm -hmm. is because of some of the extra requirements, which are exactly the the well the, the topics that you mentioned. So when we look at the scope of event sourcing, the scope is an aggregate, right? An aggregate right. is that that unit of consistency that we have where we make decisions and those decisions mm -hmm. need to be consistent. Right. When, when reading events, we will want to read the events that are relevant for that aggregate right. and just apply them to well an empty first version of an aggregate so we can recalculate the mm -hmm. current state. So we're not yes. calculating the current state of the entire system every time. Mm -hmm. We are mm -hmm. just limiting that to the, to the aggregate. To the aggregate well, yeah. That means our event store needs mm -hmm. to efficiently retrieve the events related to that particular aggregate. If, um, if your system doesn't allow that, then we need to go back across the entire history and just stream everything and filter everything out that is not relevant. But you can imagine yeah. in a system that has millions of aggregates that you're, right, you're, you're interested in one in a million events, and then you know, yeah. that, that's not feasible. You're going to be waiting forever. So, yeah. You're, you're going to be waiting for a long, long time and, and optimize on the wrong things in the meantime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Axon Server has um, a, a storage which is designed for uh, well event streaming in, in mind, mm -hmm. but also event sourcing, which adds a few extra guarantees. Right. And one of them is it keeps track of the positions of events uh, relevant for a specific aggregate. Uh, mm -hmm. So we have special indexes in place that allow you to very efficiently find the, the events that are relevant for recreating the, um, the current state of an aggregate, mm -hmm. realizing that most events, most recent events are more likely to be accessed than the older events. Right. The, um, so that's on the reading side to, to mm -hmm. optimize for the, for the reading. And then we have some challenges on appending new events. Sure. So one thing you definitely don't want to have is when you, when an aggregate, um, produces an event it made a decision right so it right. produces an event to let the well its future self but although also other components know that that decision was made mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And it wants to put that in the event store. Now, theoretically, there could be another instance of that aggregate on some other machine somewhere else that also got a command and is also right. processing something. There's no way mm -hmm. to, to, to stop that in the, in the sure. systems. But one thing you don't want is both of those conflicting decisions to make it to the event store. You want ah, the first okay. one to make it and the second one to be recognized as conflicting. Yes. And the way we do that in the event store in, in, uh, in Axon Server is we basically have a sequence number per mm -hmm. event from an aggregate. Yes. So the combination of aggregate identifier and sequence number has to be unique. Mm -hmm. And that way we can easily detect whether, let's say, um, uh, an aggregate read five events to get to the current state. When it mm -hmm. makes a new decision, that's event number six, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. If another one made the same decision or a different decision, but based on the same events, it will also append number six. And now yes. we have we can recognize that that is a conflict, um, and that is another feature that many um, streaming systems they don't care about that they don't mm -hmm. care about that uh, concurrency control. But for an event store, that is a very important uh, mechanism to ha to have, and is basically the last line of defense to make sure that any decision that gets appended to the event store is a um, decision that does not conflict with any other decisions made. And I think that what you mentioned about the sequence numbers as well as the um, aggregate identifier uh, being unique is very important because as we're going through the state changes and looking at the events and um, the history of, let's say, that aggregate, I think it's important to have that in order. Whereas streaming, you don't really have that order. Things can come in different orders. You have different events in different orders. So going back in history, uh, and as, as you mentioned a little bit uh, earlier, if you're looking for uh, a specific event or state change, then that becomes very difficult because you don't have things in sequence. And so that can be really, really confusing to, uh, to, to go back and um, have a very consistent history of uh, your events and aggregate changes and everything. Correct. I mean, message ordering is, is and will always be problematic and challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. And the thing that um, that aggregates give, and it's not even so much event uh, sourcing that gives you a guarantee, but the fact that you're designing aggregates, yes, it gives you um, uh, um, somebody and I, another trade. layer of protection, I guess. It's, yeah. it's a layer of protection, and, and somebody right. uh, somebody said it's a, it's a little island of consistency in a river of constant change. I like that, I, and yeah. I really liked it because. It, it is a small island. Everything flows, but you know at least on that little island, I know that one thing happened at one, one after the other. Yes. Right? Things do not happen concurrently on that little mm -hmm. island. But in the meantime, of course, there's uh, different parts of the system, and they're making uh, concurrent decisions. Yeah. But that, that ability to just uh, make a, a small consistency boundaries is, is mm -hmm. very important. Uh, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, one of the things that you mentioned um, today and also in your talk previously is um, when we talk about append events or snapshots, um, I know that we do have a, a feature in Axon Framework that's called a snapshot. Is it referring to the same thing as a sort of um, on, the, on the same path um, of what we're trying to uh, get out of these um, uh, events that we're appending or is it something completely different? No, it's definitely related to that. So the, uh, just imagine that uh, you want to know, um, you, you see something you want to buy, and you want to know if your account balance is sufficient to buy that. Right. Um, 
then uh, well, you you can do two things. You can go back and to the moment you 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 get your bank statements out of the uh, wherever you uh, you put them, the shoebox or whatever, yeah. and and you <laughs> start at day, know, yeah. you start at day zero, right? When your balance was yeah. zero, and then you, mm-hmm. you calculate everything till now. Well, by the time you uh, you find out what your balance is, probably the item you wanted to buy is gone. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is not a very efficient way of of getting to your current balance. Right. And you can imagine that in a in a system, if you uh, if you need to recalculate the current state based on all of these events from from mm-hmm. the past, well, there, there's only going to be more and more over time. So right. the uh, time it takes to get to the current state will will get longer. Uh, while you probably get more users on the system, you just want it to be faster instead of slower. Right. So the um, there's a mechanism called snapshotting, which allows you to create a snapshot of a point in time where you say, well, to get to the current state of my aggregate up to that point, mm-hmm. I've I've loaded all these events, right. so I can create a little snapshot of my of my aggregate and mm-hmm. say when I I streamed everything up to that date, this was the state I had. So let me store that state and mm-hmm. refer to that position. And now if mm-hmm. I append new events, when I need to recalculate this current state, I can take the last snapshot mm-hmm. and that snapshot will tell me, oh yeah, the first 50 events, you know, that, that, uh, that means this is the state. And now I can read the events that came after that particular point in time mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and retrieve those and recalculate the current state. Mm-hmm. So basically snapshots are a replacement of, of reading um, historic events just to make right. aggregates load faster. That's the mm-hmm. only reason they exist to make the loading time of an aggregate faster. And of course, you can use um, uh, you can use uh, uh, caching as well to make it faster. The problem right. is when you have a cache miss, you will have mm-hmm. to go back and load the actual aggregate from the events. So typically, you see uh, both snapshots and caches together to make sure that, well, caches make the retrieval very fast and almost constant mm-hmm. time. But when you have a cache miss, that you cap the amount of time needed to, to reload it from disk, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, so that um, you, uh, you don't get massive delays in, uh, uh, in, in reading the mm-hmm. aggregates from a, from a repository. Yeah, so since we're on the topic of speed and um, <laughs> functionality, let's talk about Axon Server. Um, can you tell me a little bit? Now, we will have a, a different episode talking specifically about Axon Server, but just a uh, sort of brief explanation. Um, why did you come up with Axon Server? And I think the, uh, it's important that we know why Axon Server uses different nodes. I think that's yeah. uh, something that was interesting to me. Yeah, so the, um, um, the reason we started building Axon Server is, um, is basically uh, twofold. The... So Framework has been around for seven years before we started uh, building mm-hmm. Axon Server. And the reason is we, we asked our, uh, the users of the framework, like, how, what, what are you doing with the framework and what are you missing? Or what are your, mm-hmm. your uh, top challenges? And right. basically, they came back with two challenges. And one was, well, the, the messaging um, to, to get the commands routed to the correct nodes and the, uh, the queries as well. Uh, that, was, uh, that was a challenging aspect. But the other one, uh, more relevant to to, the, to, the day, to today's topic, uh, was managing the sheer storage volume and making mm-hmm. sure that it did not slow down. Right. So the problem is that a relational database is a perfect event store. 
So very often yeah. when you read about uh, people using Kafka for event sourcing, read carefully, you'll see that they do the actual event sourcing with a database in front of Kafka. They do the yes. streaming on Kafka and then the event sourcing with the database in front of it. But of course, that doesn't sound sexy, so we do the event sourcing <laughs> on Kafka. Um, so, but, but a relational database is really good uh, functionally mm-hmm. at, at doing that because it can give us the insert guarantees. It gives us a relatively reliable form of ordering when we, when we read things uh, and the durability, of course. Mm-hmm. But the problem is these indexes are not designed for ever-growing systems, and they don't take into account that newer events are more likely to be accessed than older events. Right? Mm-hmm. A database is random access. You, it's designed to update any row at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad you we, brought we, up random because we, we talk about a lot of times that we want to be able to look at things sequentially, and relational data, databases don't necessarily do that, correct? No, they're not designed to do that, correct. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, they're, uh, they're designed to, to get any data from anywhere at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we noticed that the, there's, a, and there's an immense slowdown as uh, your index grows out of, your, out of memory or uh, when at some point the indexes are so big that mm-hmm. uh, you have to do disk AO every time you want to look up something. Um, and, and so we, we set off to, to, um, to find a solution for those challenges. And basically, that is where we built, uh, we built Axon Server, an event store that is focused on the actual operations that you will want to use with event sourcing, which is append events, read events for an aggregate, and then read all events sequentially. Right. And it's really designed to, to, do those, uh, to do those efficiently, not suffering from performance loss as your data grows. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we did some uh, some interesting benchmarking on uh, on the very first uh, versions of, of Axon Server, just to prove that we did indeed have that linear uh, access time every time we uh, we we appended uh, appended events. And after storing several billion events, we noticed that yes, it is still at the same uh, storage volume. Uh, whereas uh, with a database access, we had to stop after a few hundred million events because they were getting so slow that Sorry, it was just yeah. taking too long to get to a billion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, there's a lot of scalability things you can do. You can grow the cluster mm-hmm. or you can grow your uh, the memory, but that is not a reliable way to, to scale a system, right? Uh, you you sure. can throw more hardware at it, but at some point, it just gets too expensive to, uh, yeah. to be a sustainable solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's one. And, but another th- aspect of, of Axon Server that we, uh, we wanted to solve was the uh, durability of data and also the reliability of, uh, or sort of the availability of the system. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we realized that while databases do support clustering, uh, they sometimes have challenges. We've had challenges with master master setup on uh, uh, on, on MySQL, where mm-hmm. it had a conflicting insert on both nodes, mm-hmm. and then it just stops replicating. Oh, it just stops. Nothing happened. <laughs> oh, it was a read-only database from that point. By the oh, time great. you find out and you get to resolve that, your system has been offline for a little while. Yeah. So we wanted to make sure that we had a system that was available yet had a very strong um, consistency guarantee. Data consistency is the most important with, with event sourcing because mm-hmm. your, your event stream is your source of truth. You better exactly. have that consistent, right? right. So, so to not suffer too much on availability, 
Uh, mm -hmm. you, you've probably heard about CAP theorem, uh, right? Uh, basically, yep. you have to uh, interpret it as given a network, uh, under a network partition, do you mm -hmm. prefer consistency over availability or vice versa? Well, we need consistency for sure. But we want to minimize the availability problem, and that's where clustering comes in. So you can set up mm -hmm. Axon Server as a multi-node cluster, and right. we use the Raft consensus algorithm to, to elect a leader, and that leader is responsible for coordinating the transactions and making sure that whatever data you insert is actually durable. It is stored on a majority of nodes, etc., mm -hmm. so that when any node fails, you will still have uh, um, uh, the, the consistency guaranteed. Uh, right. If too many node fails, that's when you suffer availability because then we choose to not store anything because we cannot guarantee the correctness of the data anymore. I see. And um, I actually just uh, uh, learned about Raft uh, system with the with uh, Axon server, and I thought that was like really neat when the leader election happens and how the availability of the nodes work that way. So um, I will definitely do a bit more detail on the uh, Axon server episode because I thought that was a really, really neat um, idea. So um, just to wrap up our conversation, um, so we do do event sourcing, obviously, in Axon um, framework and server. Where would you say um, act, uh, the event sourcing works better versus event streaming? Obviously, we talked about a lot of the pros and cons and everything like that. But just to kind of wrap it up in a little sweet bundle, <laughs> where, would you, where would you recommend yeah, it? Where would you not recommend it? I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint you on that question uh, because <laughs> it depends. Um, if, if you, it, it depends. Yeah, if you if you asked me that like five years ago, I would have said mm -hmm. event sourcing is only for the systems where you have very strong auditing requirements or very clear value on historic mm -hmm. data. Yeah, that um, we talked about so, before, like you know, financial institutions and you know, exactly accounting, those things are like the, that. Yeah. Those but we then noticed that, yeah, no, that's there not are true. some not very yeah. obvious ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've I've seen so many. Uh, so basically, I have a few um, a few quick tests when I when we talk mm -hmm. to prospect customers. I, I I have a few questions just to validate them. Right? Are they the right customer? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, and basically it comes down to, are you using event sourcing for the right reason? Are you not mm -hmm. confusing it with event streaming? And I was surprised by how many use cases there are where just getting the current data and just getting that reliable event stream mm -hmm. is so powerful. And that's because it's not only, you don't just have a source of truth for the future and for analytics, mm -hmm. yeah. but it is also because in distributed systems, you want every system to reflect the truth at some point. Yes. Yep. And yep. you really don't want to run the risk of your event stream to become corrupted by a very small mistake. And somebody made mm -hmm. a mistake at some point and decided yep. it was a good idea to just evict <laughs> that one event from the event stream. Right. And not realizing that some components may have handled it already, some components yep. didn't. And then suddenly- and so you don't have the whole picture. Exactly. And worse, you've got five different pictures. Now different yeah, different systems will give you different truths, and they're all yeah. based right they they all have their own truth and right. in, a, in a recent discussion i I was reminded of a uh, a big outage at a at a Swiss bank uh, a couple mm. of years ago um, and that was due to systems speaking different truths and then well every system just looked at another system and and derived its yeah. own truth from those truths, et cetera. Mm -hmm. 
well, you get one mistake in there and it just cascades and it and it grows to a big problem. I mean, uh, yeah. that's what most sitcoms are about, right? It's uh, right. really not telling the truth. And then it really gets annoying until it really explodes at the end and everybody mm -hmm. is happy. Well, in IT, you're, it's not happiness at the end. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. It doesn't work that <laughs> yeah. way. Things explode and, and people lose jobs. So you, you really want to make sure that your event stream is correct and, and truthful. Mm -hmm. And then the second benefit is, but if we keep the data for longer, then we can also do the analysis. But it's right. that capturing the truth that is, that is so valuable, especially now when, when systems grow more complex mm -hmm. um, and, and more distributed. Um, uh, we, we really need to have some reliable source where we can derive all of our uh, information from information from yeah and i think um it's really valuable to to talk about this because uh, you and i had this discussion a while back and um when i first started uh with the team and um i was asking you all sorts of questions about like where would you use event sourcing like which businesses can you use that you know and you were like well it just depends you know there are a lot of different ways to use it and uh, different businesses use it and i uh, just recently started uh, working on this little side project where um, uh, I'm building this very small, tiny app with maybe like three aggregates, uh, which is um, all about scheduling music lessons. And the reason why I wanted to experiment with that, and some of our listeners may not know this, but I was a music teacher for like 20 years. And during my years of teaching, um, I always had this struggle with uh, some of my customers, some of my parents who brought their children to to take lessons earlier on the way that uh, my accounting system worked was that i would charge people cash and then i would have to report it to report it to uh the tax office and you know then go from there with the taxes yada, yada. the problem was that um after several years of doing that um and then i had to change it into um an online banking where everything was done through the online banking that also had an issue because a lot of times we go back to the single source of the truth, because I would say to um, parent A that, you know, for instance, you missed a payment in this month or you missed, a, you know, one of the payments was missed, but your child was sick. So I'm giving you a credit for next month, something like that. The ordering of things and keeping everything in track became so complicated and difficult because I didn't have my single source of truth to go back. And I didn't have all of those events logged in um, to really go back to it and show that, okay, this is what we did and this is how it's going to work. Now, years ago, if I had this knowledge of event sourcing and I could have this application and just go back and record everything, every event for each student and each uh, you know lesson and with the payments and uh, missed lessons and all of the wonderful little details that come in with when you, when you have your own business, it would have made life a lot easier, I think, for both parties, because then you can go back and look at those events and say, okay, this, this is what happened. And because events are immutable, you can't change it. Well, if you miss a lesson, you miss the lesson. If you miss the payment, you miss the payment. And it makes life a little bit easier. So I think I have a really good, um, uh, not a good, but a, a huge respect for it now, because it, it would have been very helpful if I had this tool uh, several years ago. So yeah, I'm I'm totally totally and, and I think in believe of this. This story proves that it's so much more valuable to know how we got here and what happened mm -hmm. that got us into this exactly. place, especially mm -hmm. in basically support uh, discussions that we are right. having with your with your customers. 
um, it is it is so valuable to know how we got to the current state and, yes. and just knowing the current state. And yes, you could have used flags or post-it notes on the wall to say, mm -hmm. I reminded that particular customer of their payments. Yeah. But then they will argue that was my first reminder and I only got yeah. it two days later. Um, and talk about snapshotting and going back and looking in your like thousands of emails that you sent and like, this oh, yeah. is the text or this is the email I sent you, right? It, it makes it easier for me to you know, have that understanding now looking at, um, you know, a more abstract way of looking at it in within databases and event streaming and event sourcing and all of that stuff. And I kind of try to go back to real life experience and say, oh, yes, this is what I could have done. Or yes, this would have been the snapshot of this really painful situation I was dealing with trying to get a payment out of this parent. <laughs> and, and then you realize how easy things could have been, right? And, exactly. And I, and I think that is one of the big problems with event sourcing. You, you really only get to discover the true value when you mm -hmm. when you felt the pain or when you've yes. tried it, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and exactly. and I think most of the systems are that we build nowadays are are well the the components the logic in the components is based on something that we have done before uh, many mm -hmm. times. And I think it's very valuable for us to learn from from the Absolutely. pain we had, and yeah. and to not forget that because we tend to focus on the pain we have now, and and, mm -hmm. and our memory forgets pain from the past. Yes. Uh, so sometimes we see people struggling with event sourcing because it was different. Um, yeah. And then they think, well, let's go back to work. the old. And it takes a bit more, uh, more yeah. well, sometimes Effort. more work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And the, um, um, then, then they forget that, yeah, but the old system had problems as well. But we, we've exactly. learned to live with those and we tend to forget mm -hmm. them as we, as we move on. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's definitely a lot of value. There's a lot of hidden value, I would say, in, mm -hmm. in event sourcing. And you will only know. Uh, so somebody said, you know, if when you, with event sourcing, you're preparing yourself for the questions you didn't know you had. Right. Exactly. And, and I think that's important within any business. Uh, when we talk about a, a, a business logic, not just you know software tools and things like that. When you talk about a business as a, as a whole, those are the things that you really want to go back. Those are the things that are really valuable to a business functionality and. Uh, sustainability because you have to go back and look at these things and see what exactly happened why was this business successful and why was it maybe not successful in some other areas so i think uh that's a really really valuable point to have so um yeah so any other points that you'd like to add at the end of our lovely discussion um no i think uh, we've we've proven the point that you know event sourcing has is a little hidden gem and that it has yeah. a lot of a lot of value we we also need to be careful not to exaggerate it Sure. Um, unfortunately, I, I've, I've decided in some places not to use event sourcing, and then we had to retrofit mm -hmm. it in because it really solved a lot of complicated issues. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to be careful of that as well. Sure. Um, and um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot we need to learn. And, and a big takeaway for us is, uh, for us as a community, I would say, is don't let the downsides of, of event sourcing distract you too much. Uh, mm -hmm. Our uh, our mission as as a company is to uh, to make that a fluent uh, exercise, and of course yeah. we're not there yet. It's not easy and simple just yet, um, but it is our goal to uh, to make it as simple mm -hmm. as possible by taking away the uh, the pain of event sourcing and uh, allowing you to reap the benefits. So uh, yeah, if yeah. you if you discover pain, let us know, and uh, we'll see how we can uh, <laughs> alleviate it. We're the, we're the doctors of event sourcing. <laughs> we'll make it better for you. We'll take a pain away. <laughs> we're working on a cure. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> exactly. Making it easier. One step at a time. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Alar, for uh, discussing this in a uh, lot of details. And it's very, very insightful and beneficial for me. I appreciate it. All right. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Until next time. Yeah. Have All a right. great day. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our talk. Please join me next time as I discover sagas in Axon Framework. Until then, have a great time and happy coding.